You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some news and notes, a little bit about speculation. We're also going to be talking about the difference between news and speculation, which are very different things definitionally. And I feel like maybe certain news organizations need to figure that out, even though I know it's better to blur the lines because you get more clicks, whatever. I figure if you're going to do something obnoxious like that to try to earn a couple extra dollars from me from ad revenue, then I'm going to call you out for it. And you can take the good and the bad. Your decision. It's just very obnoxious when you see something and it's the off-season and nothing's happening. And it's like, oh, that's kind of big news. And then you read the article and it's like, that's, that's not news at all. Okay. So, anyways, let's actually just start right there. So let me read you some uh, late-breaking news here from Roto World and how they chose to um, translate an ESPN article from Rob Domofsky. It says, ESPN's Rob Domofsky expects the Packers to release offensive line or outside linebacker Nick Perry this offseason. Perry signed a massive five-year, $60 million deal, blah, 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 some stats. He missed these games, blah, blah, blah. Final sentence, Perry turns 29 in April and is due $4.8 million roster bonus in March, which he obviously is not going to see. So it's it's slightly unsure what, sh- what they mean in the title, because it says expects, but that could be two different things. But the final sentence kind of, uh, kind of sums it up nicely. He's not going to see his $5.8 million roster bonus in March. Because Rob Domofsky is, is a quote-unquote insider, meaning he has sources that tell him things. So when, when there's an article saying Rob Domofsky is expecting the Packers to move on, and they conclude, therefore, he will not be getting his roster bonus of $4.8 million in March, kind of leads me to believe that this is big news from an insider, probably via a source that the Packers are moving on. Now, just to be clear, because I'm not sure if we know this, News is actually literally the plural form of the word new. New information. New events. In other words, something has happened that is new. And when you get a bunch of new things together, it is called the news. Look it up. So saying something like the Packers are moving on from the Packers, I guess technically would qualify as news. It is something new that we know concretely. Click on the article from ESPN and read the title, and it pretty much sums up exactly what you need to know. 
Via ESPN staff writer Rob Domofsky, here's the headline. Keep or cut, Packers could move on from Nick Perry and others. Well, duh. (laughs) I and every other Packers fan has been talking about this for about a year now. A little less than a year. Pretty much as soon as the season got going and people started looking at contracts, they thought, you know, maybe Nick Perry, it's getting to be about time to go. This isn't new information. I have nothing new to go off of. Every single Packer fan is sitting around twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out who's staying and who's going. He's, he's not... Hey, Dance Party, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. All right, man. Just keep being you, buddy. So we're all waiting for news, which is new information. We're waiting for something at least somewhat concrete. There is a new source giving new information that the Packers would like to move on. The Packers will not be bringing him on. There's no news anywhere in this article. This is not a news article. It is an opinion article. Rob Domofsky is giving his opinion. Let me read you one of the paragraphs in here right off the top. He gives some examples of people that were let go, and then in his third paragraph, and he says, So anytime between now and the start of the new league year in March, when free agency opens, the Packers could make similar moves. Well, duh! Now, I'm, I'm not mad at Rob Domofsky. He's just giving his opinion, right? It's, okay, so Jimmy Graham, why keep him? Here's a little bit about that. Why cut him? Financial ramifications. And then his prediction. Predicts he's going to keep him. Brian Balaga predicts he's going to keep him. Nick Perry predicts we're going to cut him with the caveat in there, unless he's willing to take a big pay cut. So it's not even a full prediction. It's like a half prediction. And then Crosby is keep and Tremont is keep. So really it's, he predicts everyone's going to stay uh, except with the exception of maybe Nick Perry. So just so we're all very clear, and again, nothing wrong with this article, even though it's a little repetitive, a little bit late to the party, but it does a nice job of breaking down everything, right? Reasons to keep them, reasons not to keep them, and the full financial breakdown. So it's a good article, but it's like... <laughs> It's like finding out your friend is in the hospital, and you've known, you've known for like eight hours, and you get a call from the hospital, and it's your friend Steve, and you're like, what's up, Steve? And he's like, hey, I'm at the hospital. And I'm like, oh, okay, how's it going? Hey, I just wanted to let you know Jim Bob is, is in the hospital. Yeah, I, I know, man. Oh, I, did, I didn't know if you knew. Yeah, I know. I'm waiting for new information. Oh, yeah, I don't have any of that. I just didn't know if you knew. Yeah, we, we've, I, I knew I know all the details. I know everything by now. It's been actually a pretty long time. Been sitting by the phone, probably about 24 hours. But thank you very much for thinking of me. Please don't ever call me from the hospital number again, because I'm waiting for some new information. Why don't you use your cell phone like a normal person? Goodbye. I'm turning into my dad. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've been my dad for a while. That, that's, that's one of my lasting memories of my childhood. It's him sitting down watching news all day because, you know, he didn't have a lot of channels back in the day. Be watching local news and my dad's just sitting there going, How is this news? This isn't news. And as a kid, I'm going, I don't, I don't know why that's not news. I don't understand. Now I'm that guy. But, but still, seriously, this is the wrong time of year to be getting clickbaity stuff about Packers are planning to release Nick Perry. Oh, he's not seeing that $4.8 million roster bonus. Burn. But why do you think that? Now, it's possible Roto World didn't really even read, but I I don't know how you even, (laughs) how could you even see the title and not realize the purpose of the, I mean, as soon as you read his title, 
You know it's an opinion piece. So no, I'm not even giving you that leeway. You know what you're doing. How dare you? (laughs) But I, I do think that's sort of the interesting thing to keep in mind is he's not the only one that's due these roster bonuses. And we're talking about, for example, for Nick Perry, we're talking about like 5 million bucks. For some of these guys, it's big money. So if anybody's going bye-bye, if we're getting rid of Tremont, if we're getting rid of Perry, if we're getting rid of Balaga, there could be some other people on the books that we're, we're potentially getting rid of, some smaller-name guys we're not thinking about. It's probably coming pretty soon. I mean, it's mid-February, and we're talking about mid-March-ish. So, like a month? And we're, I mean, we're seeing it. Guys are getting cut. Um, we'll talk about a few of them, because people that I just mentioned yesterday, guess who got cut? The guys I said might be getting cut to save some money. Which, again, it's a daily podcast, so that's bound to happen once in a while. But uh, my track record of saying things, and then they happen literally within 24 hours, it's getting kind of getting kind of crazy. I think Mike McCarthy was like a couple days, but uh, I've, I've got a few of them. But I suppose as a reminder, because we haven't talked about it in a little bit, cutting Nick Perry is only going to give us about $3.3 million in cap space. It also doesn't factor into the compensatory uh, pick for next year. So there isn't a whole lot of immediate assistance by getting rid of Nick Perry, other than we just don't have him anymore. Right? The, the, the bigger plus and upside is going to be in 2020 and 2021 when we get all of it off our books. Because basically that's what we're doing right now is we're eating the remainder of his contract this year. The $3.3 million we save is basically what's left over after giving him everything that he is promised. All his guarantees and whatnot. So we pay off all our debts on Nick Perry and then we let him go. So starting next year is when you start getting the, uh, the bigger money assistance. If we did get rid of Nick Perry, however, it would kind of increase the need for edge rusher. Not that he's a super big help anyways, but it is to some degree a comforting thing, if for no other reason than it's a body. But it's a body and it's a guy that has the talent hiding in there somewhere. If you get rid of Nick Perry and you get rid of Clay Matthews, this is a really, really sorry edge rusher class or or group. Fackrell despite the the number of sacks, which is awesome, is very limited. I don't even want to mention anybody else because it's really just not worth mentioning anyone else. Reggie Gilbert, you know, preseason, he's a stud. He can't do anything in the regular season. Kendall Donerson, we shouldn't have expectations for him. I I love talking about him and how how jacked he is and everything else, but he he was our third pick in the seventh round after a long snapper who's no good. But it really just got me thinking, I mean, I guess even if we keep Nick Perry, but... You know, I started thinking about how we did go after Khalil Mack. As, as much as everybody wants to talk about, oh, he's not even trying, he went hard after Khalil Mack, and, and to the point where I thought not only was he being anti-Ted Thompson, I thought he was willing to give up too much. I didn't want to give up two firsts. And I, I don't know if this is 100% locked in stone or speculation, but the word is he did offer both first-round picks to the Bears or to the Raiders for Khalil Mack. He went hard. He went, he, went, he went after a lot of different guys, but I just got the impression he was going pretty hard after some of these free agents. And really, the, the, the thing that stands out with outside linebacker for me personally is the fact that just about every free agent kind of made sense with the exception of the outside linebackers, just because, not, not because we don't need it, but just how much he was willing to, to push and how much he was willing to give. I kind of wasn't so sure about Dante Fowler. Not a lot of teams were even pushing for Dante Fowler. He ended up going to the Rams. We find out shortly after the Packers were pushing pretty hard for Fowler. 
So I just, I just have this nagging feeling, and it's not news for those that are curious. It's speculation on my part, but I really believe that above anything else, Brian Gutekunst is trying real hard to get some stud pass rushers or to get pass rushers. And I wouldn't even be super surprised if we do see a trade up in the first round to get a pass rusher. Of course, it depends on the board. If if the if it goes, you know, Nick Bosa number one, Josh Allen number two. I mean, who are we going to trade up and get? I don't really want to trade up and get anybody. Just let everybody fall. Maybe try to go up and get Jakai Polite if you're scared that he's going to go in the top ten. But I'm just saying, maybe even trade up that you know if. if I don't know. I I don't want to over speculate here and come up with wild theories, but. Maybe with the second pick moving up, if a guy like Brian Burns is falling, regardless of what happens with the first pick. I mean, again, we don't have anybody. We don't have anybody. Fackrell is, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't talk down about Fackrell too much. His, his, his athletic upside is awesome. He did it all in his, in his, uh, in his third year, so you know that's kind of when you hope to see that that final push, right? This is sort of like, okay, year three, it's now or never. If you don't show up by year three, you're probably not going to show it, which isn't exactly true. Some people come on four, five, six years in. But typically, if you're not seeing it by year three, it just wasn't meant to be. Kevin King, Josh Jones, Montrevious. It's funny, out of that entire draft class, it's the two second-round picks and the third-round pick that I'm worried about. Granted, Beagle and Yancey and, uh, you know, Mays and Dupree and uh, Amicia. Granted, those guys are all gone, but the only guys that are any good out of this entire class are Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And Jamal is mediocre. Man, that's such a bad... Ugh, it makes me sick to my stomach, man. I mean, Montrevious took a step, which is cool. He's obviously got a great defensive line coach. The Packers have a great defensive line coach. It was great to see him take a step. I just really, really, really need to see Kevin King and or Josh Jones step up in year three. I just, I literally am getting sick to my stomach. I know I'm off on a rabbit trail here, but just looking at this group, I just feel so sick. What a horrible, horrible draft class this is. Kevin King, Josh Jones, Montrevious Adams, Vince Beagle, Jamal Williams, D'Angelo Yancey, Aaron Jones, Kofi Amicia, Devontae Mays, and Malachi Dupree. Ugh. That's shaping up to be one of his worst, which I suppose makes sense, considering that was also his last. But even 2016, we got Kenny Clark and you know Kyler Fackrell kind of turned the corner. Dean Lowry's pretty solid. Blake Martinez is pretty solid. Even Kyle Murphy had a flash, and he's a six-round tackle. I mean, the only guy that just... I mean, he, Trevor Davis, who's a good... Uh, special teams guy. 2015 was notoriously bad, but we got Jake Ryan and Aaron Ripkowski, I guess. And Demarius, I think he was just played out of position. He he finally gets the opportunity to play safety, which is where he's supposed to play over in Cleveland, and he's playing pretty well. Just, just dumb all around. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully 2018 proves to be a better year. Jair is already stepping up. Marquez and EQ hopefully can do something. James Looney, even in the seventh round, is a decent defensive tackle, considering he's a seventh-round guy. Hopefully Hunter Bradley can get it turned around, although I'm not sure he's even going to be playing. J.K. Scott, for whatever it's worth, is decent. It's really just Josh Jackson and Oren Burks that I'm getting heartburn about, but we'll give it another year, I guess, and see where we're at, and Jamon a little bit. Anyways, how did I get here? What is happening? It's what happens when you go from 
you know, no sleep to slamming two cups of coffee. I'm like in this weird, overtired, overhyper, possessed trance. What was I talking about? Oh, Nick Perry possibly drafting someone. So there you go. But also, not even draft. It'll it'll be very interesting to see, because I've mentioned, you know, there are uh, there's some big name free agents that are not expected to be free agents, and also some not so great free agents that could be free agents. But if there's if there's a a big name guy coming off the edge, I would be willing to bet. And I just man, I'm so excited for free agency to start. Just just because remember last year, <laughs> do you recall? Even though we didn't get a huge crop of guys. Every single time there was a big name guy, and then the Packer fans are like, "We gotta go get him," and then we didn't get him, and Packer fans are like, "Gutekunst isn't even trying." Ian Rappaport, immediately after hearing Packers fans say he didn't even try or he didn't get another guy, you hear, "Oh, here's the other list of teams that were interested." There's three other teams, and there's the Packers. It was every single big name guy. Packers were calling about him. They called at least about every single person. And the Packers don't have quite as much cap space as some of these other teams. But the fact of the matter is they have more than enough space to offer up a massive contract. You look at even Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack costs, what, $25 million a year? I don't think anyone's really going to get that because I don't think anybody worth that is going to end up being a free agent. But there's no question we could afford that if somebody did hit the market. We obviously have two first-round picks, so it's not a matter of compensation to the team. We could obviously make that work as well if that were the case, if it was a trade situation. As a, So the Packers are positioned to where technically we're not supposed to be, I guess, calling, but obviously that is going on because Baltimore and the Broncos have made a, a decision, so I'm not exactly sure how that works. March 11th is the official date that you're allowed to reach out and uh, start talking about contracts and stuff. So, I don't know, maybe you can make tentative plans with other teams, but you can't make specific plans? I, I have no idea. It's all a sham anyways. But, I'm uh, yeah, I'm beyond excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. Once those floodgates open, man, it's, it's, ugh. I'm not getting a lot done at work that day. It's going to be staring at Twitter. Like, give me information. Give me news. Sorry, I'm stuck on that thing, man. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, um, something else I wanted to point to very, very quickly, very, very briefly. Maybe doesn't really mean anything, but I saw somebody comment on it, and I thought it was, um, I don't know, it just seems weird. This is from Bashad Breland two days ago. If you saw it, then I guess I'm late to the party, but whatever. I'm going to try to read it, but he doesn't use a lot of punctuation, so it 
it's a little, it's going to be a little rough. But here's what he said. It's crazy how they try to knock my value. Injuries plague, but didn't stop from performing those, oh, didn't stop from performing. Those flashes you saw, that's me. Time will show. All in due time. Really pay attention to the details of my game and not the political stories and clips they choose to float around. Now, he followed that up pretty quickly with, because I'm assuming everybody had the same questions I had, but he followed that up with a tweet that said, nothing to do with the Packers, just reflecting on my previous free agency. Eh, I don't know, Bashad. We're coming up on free agency, right? There's no guarantee if you're coming back with the Packers, correct? And your thought isn't on this year's free agency. Your thought is on what? Prior to the Packers signing you? About how you kind of were hanging out there last year and really wanted that big contract and nobody would give it to you, so you kind of just settled for what the Packers gave you? That's what's on your mind? I mean, maybe. Maybe he's just sitting and stewing about it, right? He didn't get his big contract. But, I mean, the very first sentence, he says, it's crazy how they try to knock my value. Injuries have plagued me, but it didn't stop me from performing. Now, you have to assume his agent is in contract talks, right? They, they have to be discussing things with the Packers. He's now trying to get a big contract. This was a one-year prove-it deal, and the fact of the matter is he didn't prove it. He couldn't get on the field. When he did, yeah, he, he even said it. They're flashes. But he didn't play well. There's a difference between having flashes and playing well. So he got his one-year contract for, I mean, in NFL terms, very little money. I mean, if, if I got that one-year contract, it would be like, all right, done with my job. I'm going full-on into this uh, this podcasting stuff. Hopefully the money doesn't run out before I have to go mowing lawns and stuff. I don't know. I'd find something to do. But no, it's I mean, it's, 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 it's bare minimum. It just sounds to me like he's not being offered what he wants. He was hoping that he was going to get his big money, but he didn't do anything. So he's not going to get his big money contract. So I'm, I'm guessing he's talking to his agent, and it's not sounding like he was hoping it would sound like. Again, he says, I'm just reflecting on my previous free agency. I just don't buy it. I think he's venting. And yeah, it's just rampant speculation. No, it's not news. It's speculation. Just saying. Don't try to hit me with the hypocrisy thing just because you don't understand what I'm talking about. Not saying speculation is bad. I'm just saying don't call speculation or opinion news. Do you understand? Now, I don't believe that this necessarily means he's not coming back to Green Bay, but I think for Bashad Breland, his next step is going to be, man, I'm just not in the mood today. I'm very sorry. I'm just in a bad mood for dance party. Trying to talk and dance party just comes up at the worst times. Like, dude, you got to stop. I think it's the weather and the fact that everything is an ice skating rink. Puts you in a bad mood. Puts you on edge. Just trying not to fall all day long. Not, not having it. My doors don't close in my car because everything's iced up. I can't open them. I'm going to rip my door handle off one of these days trying to open up my car door. Try to open up my trunk to put my little ice shield thing in it, and I can't. So i got to scrape that thing open, and then I can't close it. And I think it's closed until I get halfway to work, and my trunk pops open. And i got to emergency pull over and start scraping and then try to... Man, I've had it. Three months I'm going to Florida. Three months. I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. Sorry I yelled at you, dance party. I'll deal with the bugs and the cockroaches. I'm not doing this winter stuff anymore. I want to live in a place where you wear a coat when it's 40, and if there's one snowflake, you shut the state down. Like there's a report of a snowflake. Everybody get inside. Like boats evacuating to the Caribbean. 
We gotta go south, man. We'll stop till you hit the equator. But anyways, the the point for Bashad Breeland is he has to figure out now, and he, he again rampant speculation here. But if I'm correct, he has to figure out where he's going to go, who he's going to sign with, that's going to give him the best opportunity to hopefully sign a big contract in 2020. Now, on one hand, you could say, well, he kind of understands the Packers system, and it, you know, he finally got his feet under him. Maybe this is his best option. The problem with Green Bay, if they're not willing to give him a, a, a contract, I mean a, a long-term contract this year, is that he's on a team that has Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and Josh Jones, and Josh Jackson, and Tony Brown, who kind of started to step up. I mean, it's, it's all young guys. And by the way, King and Jackson and Jair are all pretty young. These are the guys they want. We don't want Rashad Breeland to be the guy. If Rashad Breeland is the guy, it means we messed up when we were drafting. So the Packers are constantly trying to push other guys into his spot. Like, come on, you need to be a starter now. You need to get over there, take Bashad's spot, take his spot, take his spot, get him out of there, be better than him. That's not a good environment for Bashad Breeland. I'm just going to throw it out there. If I'm Bashad Breeland and I'm his agent, if the money's even across the board, I'm not going to Green Bay. And I don't know how many options I have. Maybe I don't have a ton, which would be surprising considering we're literally talking about league minimum. Why in the world doesn't just about every team offer him a league minimum? But if I'm going somewhere, go somewhere where they don't have good corners. I'm going to a place that doesn't have great corners, so I know there's a good chance I'm going to be the number one. But also, maybe a place that has good outside linebackers or good uh, defensive end, good pass rush. Why? Because it's going to make me look good, right? No receptions this entire game. Hardly even got thrown at. Yeah, because there's there's no time. Plus, the other corner over there is garbage, so you might as well just throw to him. But it's going to make Bashad look... Re- I mean, that to me, it's just a simple equation. Beyond that, Bashad Breeland, do you want to come into this? You want to come to this cold-weather climate? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, again, unless we're offering him big money, which if we were, I can't imagine the first thing that's come into his mind is, I want to talk about how people keep knocking my value. And, I mean, he is talking about the present. He's talking about time will tell. Pay attention to the detail. He's talking about today. He's talking about just wait and see. I'll show you in the future. Meaning, at this particular point in time, he's talking about people are trying to downgrade his value. He's not talking about back before the Packers signed him. Just not buying that. So I guess what I'm what I'm super getting at here, even though I'm, I'm multiple layers into reading in too far into stuff, is that he's not having good contract talks. He's not getting the big contract that he wants. It's possible the Packers offer more than anybody else, therefore he stays. But in my opinion, if I'm Bashad Breeland and I want that big money contract, if the difference is like $2 million with the Packers or another league minimum with the team that I described, that's going to make him a top-tier guy, especially if you got a cornerback coach that you like, that you trust. You know, you're in an environment that you like. They've got a real good pass rush. I mean, go... Maybe, you know, go to Denver. You got Vic Fangio as your head coach. They got, you know, Nick Chubb as their number two guy opposite Von Miller. Most of the corners they have there are antiques. You're, you're behind Chris Harris, but so what? You're, you're an automatic number two. Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, uh, Shelby Harris is an incredible interior guy. You got Derek Wolf, Damata Pecco. I mean, the entire defensive line is stacked. They've got decent linebackers. You know um, Vic Fangio is good with safeties, so you're going to have some over-the-top help. And again, you're, you're automatic number two on this team, behind Chris Harris. 
because everybody else at corner is trash. If they offered me league minimum, and I'm, I'm Bashad Breeland, I'm gone in a second, and I'm telling the Packers to take their one-year, one $2 million deal and stick it because I'm not in this for $2 million. I want a long-term contract for five, six, seven, eight, nine million dollars I mean, he's only 27. So if I'm getting a league minimum one-year deal, and I can sign a long year, you know, a four-year contract at the age of 28 for eight, nine million dollars a year, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So, anyways, just my thought on Bashad. Because let's not forget, at the end of the day, it's not, it's, it's a two-way street. We talk about who should the Packers bring back, as though we have unilateral decision-making power here. We don't. We signed him to a one-year contract. He played out that one year. We can offer him whatever we want to offer him. Bashad has no obligation to come back or sign on the dotted line. He can say, forget this. I signed with you guys. You didn't play me. Your defense is trash. I look like trash. You got a bunch of young guys trying to push me out. It's not, well, why? Why would I be here? No. So from my perspective, not a good fit for Bashad. I don't know why he signed with the Packers to begin with other than nobody else wanted him. But we'll see. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Other bits of news, as I'm sure everybody heard by now, Jeffrey Simmons uh, has tore his ACL. Um, I got a question from Jason in regards to how far do I think he's going to fall. I think the biggest part about that question is going to be how much teams were already out on him because of his off-the-field issues, because he threw a punch at a female. If you factor in, certain teams maybe have taken him off their board as a result of that. If there's any long-term concern about his character, which I don't think there should be, but there could be, you factor all that into his value. Now on the fact that he's tore his ACL, he's not playing in 2019, it's also something that you know, beyond the fact that he's he's just out a year and he'll be back, you got to kind of wonder if this is a long-term thing. Not necessarily is he going to re-injure it, but how does this affect him going forward? I wouldn't imagine it would very much, especially as a defensive tackle. It's, you know, not as big a deal maybe as, I don't know, a corner, edge rusher, whatever. But at this particular point in time, I would guess somewhere around early second, early to mid-second round. It's possible he could go late first. Uh, if you look at sort of the precedent on these kinds of issues, I think the best one that I can compare him to is Sidney Jones. Um, Sidney Jones was considered by a lot of people the top cornerback in that entire class, and that was a stacked class. That was back, you know, a couple years ago in the Kevin King class, when um, you know it was it was it was a stacked cornerback class. Well, Sidney Jones, who by some accounts, who was by the way Kevin King's counterpart at Washington. He tore his ACL, and Marshawn Lattimore was the first one to go. I didn't think Sidney Jones was as good as Marshawn Lattimore, or Marlon Humphrey for that matter. But he ends up falling into the second round. Now, when you consider the value of cornerback and the fact that we're talking about his level of talent, that, you know that, that to me kind of is a precedent. However, how early was Sidney Jones going to go? How early was Jeffrey Simmons going to go? I, I think Jeffrey Simmons is a top-five talent. I don't know if anyone thought... Sidney Jones was a top five talent, but then again, they probably would have been drafted around the same area if if Marshawn Lattimore went 
where did he go? Like 12-ish, 10-ish? Yeah, I would say it's pretty similar. So that, that's my guess, but there's also the off-the-field off concerns. If he falls into the third, that's really bad. As far as my speculation on the Packers, I, what, I, what I'm ultimately saying is if I'm the GM of the Packers, I'm looking long and hard at him. I've mentioned several times now, I want studs. That's just what I want. I mean, you look at teams that have a real big impact. Really good teams have really good players. And I think it, it, in particular for me, I'm so sick of mediocre guys. I'm really, really tired of it. Um, Aaron Rodgers obviously is elite. Devontae Adams developed into a very good wide receiver. Kenny Clark is incredible. Outside of that, I don't know who we have that's just above and beyond. Jair was not above and beyond. He was good. Blake Martinez is good. We don't have any other corners that are good. Mike Daniels was, you know, not elite last year. He was good. Every linebacker outside of Blake Martinez was kind of bad. Safeties were all bad. Well, Bakhtiari, obviously. Embalaga's pretty decent. But uh, I, I don't know, man. Granted, every, every team has mediocre guys and top-tier guys and low-level guys, but I'm just I'm, I'm tired of it. We, we draft at the back of the first round every year, and as a result, it's really hard to get those Kenny Clark studs. More often than not, we get misses like Nick Perry. We get guys like Kevin King that don't pan out. And the guys that do pan out end up being like fourth-round guys that are better than expected. But still, eh. If you're telling me that at 30 we could potentially have, and we're talking, what, four years from 2020 through the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, we've got Jeffrey Simmons, who's possibly a top-five talent, a freak against the run, as well as a, a guy that can get deep into the backfield. And the biggest problem with him is, well, he's not going to play in 2019. Why do I care? I, just, I feel like that's such a short-sighted way of looking at it. Well, we've got to win today. At the expense of tomorrow? I mean, listen, any, any progress we make this year also impacts next year. If we draft well this year, it's going to be good for next year. If we get free agents this year, we're probably going to have them next year, depending on unless it's a one-year contract. Maybe I want to wait and see if I can get him with that second pick just because I feel, you know, a second-round pick because it feels a little bit better. But I, I, I'm just really, really hesitant to turn down somebody as talented as Jeffrey Simmons so that we can get what? I mean, how many late first-round guys that you know that have gotten drafted are just freaks? I mean, look, look at last year. You've got, what, DJ Moore, not very good. Hayden Hurst, meh. Calvin Ridley seemed decent. He was at least had a couple decent games. Rashad Penny is trash. Terrell Edmonds is trash. Taven Bryan, eh. Mike Hughes, maybe. Sony Michelle panned out pretty well. Lamar Jackson does not look good at all. 2017, Jabril, Jabril Peppers is terrible. Takaris McKinley, eh. Tredavious White had a really good year. I don't know if he was very much last year. Taco Charlton, eh. David Njoku, not super great. TJ Watt, eh. Reuben Foster is pretty good, but he can't stay on the field. In fact, he was elite. He was. This is what happens when you take an elite player late. Now, again, the off-field issues stuck around, so it didn't work out. But you, you look at the talent at the end of the first, and Reuben Foster sticks out like a sore thumb. Granted, Ryan Ramzik here is also pretty good for the Saints. But that's what I'm talking about. You look at Reuben Foster and compare him to David Njoku. It's not even close. Reuben Foster was maybe the best linebacker in the NFL. That's kind of what I'm talking about. He's a guy that fell, and San Francisco's like, uh, yeah, I want that guy. Now, it didn't pan out, but we're not talking about off-the-field issues. Go back another year. Artie Burns. Ooh, the, the legendary Artie Burns for the Steelers. How about quarterback Paxton Lynch for the Denver Broncos? There's Kenny Clark for the Packers. Stud. 
Josh Garnett, 49ers. No idea who that is. Robert Camdichi for the Cardinals. I, eh. Vernon Butler for the Panthers. Jermaine Effetti for the Seahawks. How horrible of a pick was that? Late first, the, the miss rate on late first is almost 100% outside of Kenny Clark. Depending on how good you expect this guy to be, three years in a row, Kenny Clark is the only one that is like an elite player in three years at the end of the first. We're, we're, we're talking top 10 players, you can get some real studs. But even that, I mean, Jared Goff is good, Carson Wentz is good, Joey Bosa is good, Ezekiel Elliott's good, Jalen Ramsey's good, that's top five. From 6 to 10, Ronnie Stanley's good, DeForest Buckner, I believe, is fairly good, Jack Conklin, Leonard Floyd, Eli Apple, kind of getting to about 50%, and from 5 to 10. Vernon Hargreave, Sheldon Rankins, Laramie Tunsil, Carl Joseph, and Corey Coleman from 10 to 15. Getting a little bit more suspect. 16 to 20, we got Taylor Decker, Keanu Neal, Ryan Kelly, Shaq Lawson, Darren Lee. I mean, you can just see that the talent drops so fast in the first round. By the time you get to the end of the first, it's just, you know, I th- I, I'm just saying, I think we get hung up on the fact that it's a quote-unquote first-round pick. Right, I don't want to trade out of the first round. and I, I don't want to just because I've been waiting all year to finally watch this. We've been waiting three hours to get to our pick, and then we don't have a pick anymore. That's what happens every like when we got Kevin King. It's like, are you kidding me? Got to wait another day. But there's no difference between like 26 and 34. It's the same, same people, same guys. There are only so many guys that are just like can't-miss studs. Let's go back one more year. Shaq Thompson. Bashad Perryman, Byron Jones, Lakin Tomlinson, Philip Dorsett, Demarius Randall, Stephon Anthony, Malcolm Brown. How many Hall of Famers did I just list? I mean, even going up, DJ Humphrey, Shane Ray. Shane Ray's no good. Bud Dupree, he's no good. Cedric Ogbuahi, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is about as mediocre as you can get. He's a mid-first-round wide receiver, man. So anyways, I think I've made my point. The, the fact of the matter is, top five, you're getting just can't miss guys. I think Jeffrey Simmons falls into that category. Back of the first, the guys that are going to be available, and I know every time around this year, there's a million guys. I mean, we're going to be talking about third round guys as though they're already Hall of Famers. That's just how this time of year works. But I think deep down, we all understand you're going to have guys in the top 10 that are very good. The bottom from 20 to 30, you're going to have like two guys that are good in the NFL. Maybe one guy that's elite. Maybe you get that Kenny Clark. Otherwise, I mean, from, it's just hit or miss all throughout the draft. Maybe you get a guy in the first, maybe in the second, maybe third, fourth. It's just, it just seems like an absolute crapshoot beyond that. And even top five, there's a lot of misses. Just, <laughs> it's, it's almost funny. You go back and look and, you know, it's easy to pick on GMs because I'm sitting at 2014, Jadavia and Clowney goes first. That makes sense. Then we got Greg Robinson going to the Rams. Blake Bortles goes number three. Sammy Watkins goes four. Khalil Mack goes five. How much, if you're the Buffalo Bills or anybody, are you kicking yourself for this? I'll give the Texans a pass because I've never seen anything like Jadavian Clowney. I don't think most people have when he came out. That was a guaranteed slam dunk. But, dude, you took Sammy Watkins over Khalil Mack. I don't care how many pass rushers you have. You're kicking yourself for that one. But anyways, that, that's why I take that stance. Even if it means we don't see him until 2020, I just want studs, and it's, it's nearly impossible to get a guaranteed guy like that. Not that anybody's actually a guarantee, but if you're telling me there's a 75% chance he's going to be real good compared to, you know, the, what, 30% that pick 30 is going to give us? 
That's why I take the stance that I do. When these guys fall, it's beyond tempting to take them. And I understand domestic violence. I don't, I don't want somebody that does something horrible to somebody else on this team. I don't want them in the NFL at all. I'm just saying, for me personally, and maybe if I actually saw the video of it, I would change my tune. For me personally, it sounds forgivable. It sounds, you know, borderline understandable, although it's still probably never really forgivable. But again, standing up for your family as opposed to just violently assaulting somebody like that Francois person, it's a big difference. Um, I've got a few other notes that I don't think we're going to have time to get to, so I'll, I'll talk about one final thing. There was the the big news uh, thing, the big news agenda, I suppose, is uh, Joe Flacco going to the Denver Broncos. Now, the, the immediate thought is, oh darn, that's one team that's not going to be drafting a quarterback. And I really think we should we should keep that in the back of our minds because there's also guys out there like Foles that could be going to teams that maybe are willing to wait until next year. So we could say the Broncos aren't getting a quarterback now, which is unfortunate because we want as many people drafting quarterbacks before the Packers as is possible. Denver picks at 10. If they don't take a quarterback, that's, you know. And again, we, we've still got Foles. If you've got the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, one of those teams, even Miami. Although, you know, Miami does draft Aphorus, there's a chance with them being just behind us, they could be trading up. Maybe they try to get in front of Denver. Maybe now they don't want to. Maybe now if, there's, if, there's, if, if the guy that they want falls past Jacksonville, the only real obstacle left is Denver, possibly Cincinnati, I suppose. But you're probably willing to take a chance that, you know, Denver's got Flacco. We should be good. He'll make it to us. So we got to see how free agency shakes out, um, you know, as to whether guys are going to be taking these quarterbacks or not it we've been hearing for a very long time this is not a good quarterback class I tend to believe this is not a good quarterback class next year is supposed to be a better quarterback class I don't see the need to take a quarterback super early unless you really believe it's a franchise guy and in regard to the hype that there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks taken I think that's because it's NFL draft season and it just kind of blows my mind how if there's not a lot of good quarterbacks, the instant narrative is terrible, terrible class. Why? Because nobody wants to talk about defensive tackles. All all the, the big draft people and big like general NFL people care about is quarterbacks. Not all they care about, but if there's not a lot of good quarterbacks, they just start to grumble and groan. Uh, no quarterback. They're going to love next year. It's going to be a stacked class. Just wait and see. Because they got their pile of quarterbacks, and it's a great quarterback class, and blah, 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 blah. But I think you're seeing a lot of hype for quarterbacks, but at the end of the day, you have NFL GMs that are able to analyze with a team of qualified, you know, analyzers, scouts, and they're going to come to the conclusion that they're not really worth that much. There could be somebody that that goes big, but I, I don't really see a whole bunch of trading up or need to trade up. With the talent that's available on defense, Arizona makes sense to stay. Maybe San Francisco tries to trade out of that spot, but for who? The only people that are going to trade up into that spot are probably people that want either Josh Allen or Quinn and Williams, which Packers possibly in play, but they'd have to give up a lot to get up to two, probably more than I would like for Josh Allen. The Jets, you know, probably want offense. It's another team that maybe is looking to trade out, otherwise stay. Oakland has needs everywhere. They're taking defense. Tampa has needs at defense. Might as well just take defense. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, on, on, on the flip side of things, this doesn't mean that Buffalo's not taking a quarterback. Obviously, Joe Flacco is not a long-term solution. And, and the idea that, well, they've invested a lot, they have. But Case Keenum supposedly is going out the door. And beyond that, you're not investing a lot in a quarterback right now. 
because you're not paying him very much. And there's a difference between draft capital and your future and salary cap and, you know, sort of stop gaps. So let's say hypothetically we do want a quarterback, and let's say we like Drew Locke, which is supposedly the rumor about uh, the Denver Broncos, of which there's going to be a lot of different rumors. Most of them are going to be nonsense. But if you're going to draft that guy, it would sort of make sense to have somebody like Flacco, especially since you probably don't want to play him in year one. This gives you the opportunity to have a veteran who is a Super Bowl champion to coach up Drew Locke for a year. And the fact of the matter is, you get rid of Case Keenum, you get additional draft capital, supposedly in and around a fourth round pick. You eat up that, you eat that cap, but thinking long term now, in 2020, we have none of Case Keenum's cap. Nothing of, of uh, Joe Flacco's contract is guaranteed, so we can dump him in 2020. Now we have Drew Locke on a rookie contract and a ton of money to spend. We go from a team that's overpaying for quarterbacks to a team that has a rookie, a, a rookie quarterback. Vic Fangio's been in there for a year. Our defense is stacked. We started building our offense in 2019. Now it's 2020. We continue building our offense in 2020 draft, supplement our defense a little bit, use our salary cap, of which we have a decent amount, even though Von Miller's eaten into it a lot. But we use that cap to kind of fill in a few more holes, and now we have Drew Locke, who's coming on as our rookie quarterback. So we've got our wide receivers, some tight ends, offensive line. we got this defense. we got Vic Fangio as our head coach. We've got our rookie quarterback. We're ready to make a push. I'm just thinking long term here. It does make sense. Because, again, the plan is by 2020, we don't have any of these guys. If, if you wanted to overhaul your team and start going for that whole, you know, the, the strategy of get a rookie and then spend a bunch of money on, on free agents, what's the best way to do it? Well, I suppose you don't need to get Flacco. You could just keep Case Keenum. But I would rather have Flacco, I think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking too deep and they're just thinking on a very surface level like, I want Flacco. I like Flacco. I like his game. Let's get him. He'll get us a Super Bowl. He's fantastic. It's possible they're that shallow at thinking. And they're just going to, you know, I, I shouldn't even say it's shallow. I think Flacco is a very good game manager. I don't think he's going to get you very far, but you, you kind of lean on how they won the Super Bowl to begin with. Their last Super Bowl, how did they win it? They won it with a cerebral quarterback that was able to manage the game well enough, despite the fact that his talent had completely eroded, but he was good enough to keep the ball moving and let the defense win for him. You got Vic Fangio, you got the defense, you get your game manager, and you just kind of try to move the ball, all the while helping your salary cap. And then in 2020, maybe we'll go out and get another guy if he's ready, whatever, whatever. Right, so overall, it probably doesn't bode well for us having talent fall to us. But at the same time, I mean, who do we really think is going to fall? We're talking about one spot. Maybe. Maybe there's other guys. I don't know. Maybe there is a frenzy and, and, and Denver's out of the race now. Maybe it hurts our chances of getting a Ja'Kai Polite. But if you think about it, Denver's not getting Ja'Kai Polite. So if he makes it to 10, there's a good chance he's making it to 12. But anyways, those are my thoughts. I got to get going. You folks enjoy your Thursday. I'll talk to you as always on tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, bye bye